just being being able to be in a room with other wedding businesses and to kind of be able to share experiences and kind of learn together. So much of the good stuff comes from getting together with other people and kind of, you know, hashing stuff out in a room. Also to realise how many other businesses, even if they're not a venue, who you know, whatever their thing is, often we're having the same issues and we're doing the same things wrong or not doing things that we should be doing. And yeah, lots of light bulb moments. I'm Becca Poutney, wedding business marketing expert, speaker and blogger, and you're listening to the Wedding Pros Who Are Ready To Grow podcast. I'm here to share with you actionable tips, strategies and real life examples to help you take your wedding business to the next level. If you are an ambitious wedding business owner that wants to take your passion and use it to build a profitable, sustainable business doing what you love, then you're in the right place. Let's get going with today's episode. Do you ever wish you had more time and more space in your life to think about your wedding business? Perhaps you spend your whole time working in the business on that treadmill of getting more leads, more inquiries, doing more social media, and you just want to take a step back and look at the bigger picture. Well, if that's you, then before we get going with today's episode, I've got something very exciting to share with you. In 2021, myself and my wedding industry friend and powerhouse, Kelly Mortimer, put together our first ever wedding business retreat, a place for wedding business owners to come together to spend three days in a luxury hotel working together on their business and spending as much time as they want chatting to us to help move their business forward. If you're ready to take your business up a gear and you want to be in the room with the right people who are going to motivate you to move your business forward, then the good news is we're back and booking has just opened for October 2023. Come along and spend three nights away in the UK countryside with myself and Kelly. We're going to be offering you high level sales and marketing training, the opportunity to be in the room with some really amazing wedding business owners who are going to help you drive your business forward. And there's plenty of time over dinner to have a chat with us about your business too. If you want to be there, then all of the details can be found in the show notes right now. But be quick because places are limited and it's always very popular. Hope to see you in person there. Today, I'm chatting with Donna Newman, director of the Granary at Forsley, a gorgeous wedding venue set in 2,600 acres of beautiful countryside in Northamptonshire. Last October, I spent three days away with Donna as she joined us as a guest at our wedding business retreat. And I'm thrilled to have her on the podcast today. Donna, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Becca. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure. I know you're an avid podcast listener to this podcast, so it's good to have you on as a guest. I am. I am indeed. I listen, I've listened to all of them, I think. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, it'll be interesting. Will you listen back to your own episode? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. The girls in the office will want to listen to it, so possibly. <laughs> You can, you can excuse yourself for a cup of tea while they listen. Some people like to listen back. Some people absolutely don't like to listen back. So I'll leave that one up to you. Okay, so let's go right back to the beginning of your journey because I was having a look over your website and I was reading your bio on your website and it told me that you used to work in the civil service. In fact, it said you spent 15 years in the civil service until, until 2012 how on earth did you go from working in the civil service to being the director of a wedding venue? I asked myself that a lot. <laughs> it was never the plan. So I was, my job was based in London, but I live in Northampton. So it was a, quite a commute for me. And when I was pregnant with my second child, the department were slimming down and I put my hand up 
to take what they called early departure, which is kind of before they start making people redundant. They ask who wants to go. And so that was fine. They let me go. And then when I was 39 weeks pregnant, just before I was about to have our second child, my husband said, there's an amazing opportunity. This place has come up and I'd really love to like to run it. So he brought me to see it and was like, what do you think? And I was like, I don't know, I'm having a baby. I can't think about this now. And I just said, whatever, like, if you want to do it, then go for it. I'll support you. And uh, so he he had to do like a business presentation and stuff for the lease. And uh, we didn't hear anything for ages. And then when our daughter was six months old, and we'd got a two-year-old as well at the time, we got a phone call to say, can you take over in a week? So that was that. Wow. What timing. The timing of that is just amazing. I cannot even imagine being 39 weeks pregnant and being presented with that opportunity. What was going through your head? How were you feeling? Were you terrified? Were you excited? Or were you just putting it to one side? Absolutely terrified. I had no idea. I was institutionalized by the civil service where there's like procedures for everything. And it's all very, you know, you just follow the rules and you're fine. And then this was, I had I didn't know anything about hospitality. I didn't know anything about, um, I mean, at the time it wasn't, we weren't doing weddings. It was, Um, accommodation and we opened a tea room initially which was very popular so we just threw ourselves into it we practically moved here we lived 20 miles away so we kind of moved into one of the rooms we did everything cleaning cooking everything for quite a long time and for quite a long time I thought what have we done (laughs) wow what an experience and just for context as well obviously you were working in the civil service did your husband it was his idea did he have a background in hospitality where did his idea come from yeah more so so his family business was uh, marquee hire catering equipment all that kind of stuff so he'd had some experience and also he'd been he'd done some events with the local council so he'd he'd got that side but he the way that he found this business was because he had a commercial laundry and so he used to do like all of the bedding and stuff for like small hotels and restaurants that kind of thing and and the granary was one of his contracts and he used to talk about it all the time oh this it's amazing this little place in the country and it's so pretty and I'd be like yeah yeah (laughs) and now here you are there working yeah and you have been since 2012 So you said that you started off more as accommodation, the tea room. At what point did weddings enter the picture and how did that come about? Uh, So we always knew that we wanted to do weddings and we've got an amazing barn, which when we first took over was literally like agricultural. It had a tractor in it, sheep feed. It was it was not attractive. Nobody would want to get have their wedding in there but we negotiated it as part of our lease and then we kind of around 2014 we started we kind of like made it a bit pretty we put some marquee linings in it and we used to do we started to do a couple of weddings under and temporary events notices we didn't have all the licenses and stuff at the time and we used to have to get portaloos in and all that kind of stuff if we did an event the first wedding that we actually sold was before it even had linings in the couple came to look around and we were like so just imagine it's going to be really beautiful in here and there's not that tractor won't be there and all this and they booked us and we were like oh my god we've got to deliver this now so we did and then in 2015 we decided that you know we felt that that area of the business had traction so we put quite a lot of investment in got the change of use so it's now a wedding venue not an agricultural barn you know got all the proper licenses and like put toilets in and a kitchen and all that kind of stuff so yeah and and that was that and then we we had we ended up actually closing the tea room in 2018 because we were doing by that point we were doing a lot more weddings and we were having to because we're exclusive views we were having to close the tea room 
which was a shame because it was popular and lots of people, we had lots of regulars. But obviously, weddings are much bigger business than you have to sell a lot of cream teas to make what you would make at a wedding. So we had to make that decision. Absolutely. I can see that for sure. So now then, how many weddings are you looking at on average each year when it comes to your venue? So between 40 and 50, nearer to 50 a year, which for us is is how many we want to do. We're quite a small team. We have like two wedding coordinators, a bar manager, and like kind of a pool of sort of waiting staff and front of house staff. And we don't really want to be massive and have a huge team. And we don't want to do weddings every day. We want to do, want there to be a gap between each one. So each couple can come along before and set up. And we don't feel like we're kind of a wedding factory, if that makes sense. We're purposely trying to keep it small and manageable. What a journey from having just that first wedding that just came and looked at a barn through to now holding 40, 50 weddings every single year. When you look back at that journey, how did it take off? Was it word of mouth? Was it a particular piece of marketing that you were doing? How do you think you attracted that business in? A bit of everything, really. Word of mouth, I think the more, obviously, the more weddings you have, Every wedding has got, you know, 100 guests or so. So that's kind of more exposure. One of the problems that we've had is we are quite in the middle of nowhere. Like, really, we're off of, off, not on a main road. And everyone that comes here says, I didn't even know you were here. <laughs> so it's been quite hard. So I suppose social media, things like Facebook ads have been amazing. And just getting other people to see us that wouldn't necessarily know about us. And also for weddings, just being listed in the right places. So we're listed with a couple of the big listing sites like Hitched and Bridebook, um, which can be expensive, but actually a, a lot of an awful lot of our leads come through there. So it's a good investment. Yeah. And it's not it's not expensive when you get the return on the investment. That's what you have to look at. And if you're getting the leads and then they're turning into the bookings, absolutely worth every penny that you're spending. So as you look back then over these last kind of 10, 11 years, what have been some of the struggles along the way when it's come to your business? Oh, I think as a venue, it's kind of a bit lonely if you have never worked in a venue before because you don't, like you can't really go to other venues and say, how do we do this? What are we doing? You know, share because, you know, they're your competitors. They're not going to tell you. <laughs> so it's quite, you just have to figure stuff out really for yourself a lot of the time. So definitely that. Also, things like finding the right staff and keeping them in hospitality, that's an issue for everybody. And that's kind of been a constant thing over the years. We're in a very stable place at the minute. I don't want to jinx it. (laughs) We've got a really good team. So we're lucky. Obviously, the pandemic was horrendous. We we did one wedding in 2020 on the 29th of February. (laughs) So that was a terrible year. Wow. You survived and you've come out the other side. So that is all good. Yes, we did. We did. So you survived the pandemic. Things are looking good now. So now then, when you look back, what are the positive things? What are the things that you're really proud of when you look back over these last few years? I think that we've been able to establish ourselves as like a reputable wedding venue. There's an awful lot of imposter syndrome when you start a business, isn't there? And, uh, you know, kind of you can feel like you don't really belong in your field or you don't have as much experience as others and you're kind of not, uh, you're not as good as them. You know, and obviously the more weddings you get under your belt, the more you kind of feel like, okay, we're doing this. It's, It's working. People are happy. 
So I think, yeah, just to kind of, you know, last year in, in 2022, we won a Bridebrook Platinum Award and Hitched County Champion, I think, or vice versa. I can't remember which way around. So to get things like that and, you know, and there's a lot of wedding venues in our area, really amazing, all of them. So for us to kind of be kind of counted with them, that really means a lot. Yeah, that recognition that someone else can see all that hard work that you've put in is definitely worth it. You talked there about imposter syndrome. Obviously, that's improved for you over the time. Do you think, do you still have imposter syndrome? Because if you're anything like me, it never really goes away. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. About everything. <laughs> well, I don't think you need to. Yeah. Even about today, I was like, oh. <laughs> even about being a guest on this podcast, you are very welcome. It's great to have you on here. And you should be incredibly proud of your success when you look back. And often as business owners, we don't look back. We're always looking forward, looking to the next goal, looking to the next number, all of those things. But actually, when you look back and think, actually, in 2012, I was working in a civil service job. And now I am director of this incredible wedding venue with 40 or 50 couples coming in and getting married every year with an amazing team. You have to take a moment to realize, actually, we have achieved that. Yeah, we, we actually, when we hit our 10 year anniversary uh, last year, we had a big party, like a black tie event. We invited all of our friends and family, everyone that supported us over the years. And, you know, lots of our uh, suppliers that we work with and just had like a really good knees up um, and yeah, I, I, I do definitely do feel proud. And now when you hear, sometimes like I'll be on a Facebook forum and people are saying like, what's a really good venue? And when other people say, oh, the Granary at Forsley, I'm like, yay, <laughs> that's us. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I'm glad you took time to celebrate with a party and uh, hopefully you'll do it again for the 20th anniversary in a few oh, more years yeah. <laughs> seems like a long way off but I'm sure it will come round quicker than that as these things do now I'd love to ask you a question that always intrigues me when I talk to people in your situation which is around working with your partner obviously you said right at the start that you went into this together that you were happy to support him you had a young family how has it been working together with your partner? Has it been a struggle? Has it been the dream? Like, what would you say to people who are considering doing that? It's, I think, uh, very early on, we decided who on our roles, separate roles. So we make big decisions together. But then, like day to day, we don't actually work together very much at all. We always, we decided that uh, from early on, because we'd got young children, we've now got three, that the family would be my priority and that the business would be his so that we'd got some kind of continuity. And so my work is largely from, has always largely been from home. He's always been more in the office. So he runs the operational side of things. So on a wedding day, he'll often be here overseeing things. Often he's not needed now, um, but I tend to do all of the back office stuff that I can do from anywhere. So I do all the marketing and the finances, like HR kind of things. And so like on a normal working day, our paths don't cross that much, which is good. It works. And he's also got some other businesses. So sometimes he's not here. So yeah, I think that's kind of how we've made it work. Although sometimes it is quite difficult in the evening, like he wants to have a big business chat and I'm like, oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Keeping those boundaries <laughs> is hard as a self-employed person at the best of times, especially when your business partner is also your life partner. I can imagine that as well. And I bet it's interesting for the kids having grown up around this. Are they getting more aware of what you do? Are they getting involved in any of the little bits that go on? 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, they've always, they've grown up kind of coming over to work with us, you know, popping in at weekends, seeing how things are going, that kind of thing. So, and our our oldest turns 14 tomorrow, and he already knows that as soon as he's old enough, like he's got a job here, (laughs) he's going to be like collecting glasses or, you know, waiting tables or whatever, as soon as he's he's old enough. So yeah, they're they're quite interested, but I, I, I like to feel that we've managed to kind of not let it take over our lives you know we've kind of had that which is why I'm quite glad that we don't live on site and we live a way away because we can't we can't work all the time yeah it gives you a little bit of boundaries but I do think it's really inspiring for children to be brought up around entrepreneurs and I find often entrepreneurs have entrepreneurial parents because I think they see what's possible and I think it's really exciting for them especially at a young age to realize actually there is another option I don't just have to follow the normal path that everyone else follows and actually I can think outside of the box and I can do it like my parents did and maybe not in the same industry but actually consider having their own business so I'm a big advocate about getting children involved in business at a young age. Uh, I'm talking to my kids about it all of the time, probably too much, but I do think it inspires them. And now if I, if they want to buy something, so for example, they want to buy a new toy or something like that, I'll say, well, you don't have any money. And my youngest who is six will say, well, we need to find something to do to earn the money. And I'm like, yes, you do. But <laughs> yeah, I'll do that. They'll be like, I want this thing. What jobs can I do? Have you got any jobs? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But at least they're understanding. Yeah money doesn't just fall from trees. Your parents work really hard to to do that for you. Uh, now, whenever I have someone on the podcast who is from a wedding venue, I have to ask the questions around the venue supplier relationship, because it's definitely a thing in our industry where people see venue and venue owners and event managers as this big, scary, unapproachable thing when they're in the industry. They're photographers, florists, especially when they're starting out. And although we've talked already about your imposter syndrome, I know that there'll be people listening to this or seeing you online and thinking, oh, I wish one day I could be recommended by the granary at Fawzi. I wish that they would know who I was. How have you navigated that supplier relationship? How have you found people to work with? So some of our suppliers we've worked with from day dot, you know, they were had fledgling businesses themselves. Glenn had already got a few contacts in the industry through his previous work with the marquee business. And then we've always tried to work with as many suppliers as we can, really, because we find it's it's good for us. The more the more kind of people that say positive things about us and work with us and know what we like to work with, you know, the more that they're going to kind of tell their clients about you and vice versa. And, you know, you can build up quite a reciprocal relationship. It's difficult in with certain kind of niches just because there's so many you know we find it with photographers there's there's so many and all of them are hugely talented and the the thing is you can't recommend everybody so we kind of say if you get a job here and you you know we get on really well and and, you know and, and we all really like each other then we'll recommend you but we don't recommend anyone that we haven't worked with if that makes sense because you can't you don't know so you can't yeah it is difficult and you are in a difficult position because there are so many incredibly talented people out there and obviously you can't recommend them all but I'm glad to hear that you're open to working with lots of different people and if there is someone listening to this and thinking oh I wish like I could reach out or speak to you like how do you like hearing from people do you like when people reach out to you do you like people to come and visit do you 
Yeah, so the thing that kind of we like the most is if when people, especially on social media, if they just, you know, kind of share some of our stories or, you know, and that maybe if they see we've got an open day and they they get in touch and say, oh, you know, do you think I could come along? If we've got, if we've, we've, we've not already got somebody doing what you do, then yes, absolutely. So I think it's really just kind of biting the bullet and just taking action and just kind of saying, hello, this is what I do. You know, how can I help you? And then we can kind of, kind of build it from there so it's being proactive and realizing you're not scary it's okay they can contact you and you're not going to bite their head off not at all no no like like on on a wedding day you know you kind of all work together don't you to kind of produce the end result so you're all on the same team really (laughs) absolutely that's music to my ears Donna because so often people are afraid like I said of venues they're scared that they're gonna be put in their place or they're gonna lose out on an opportunity if they do it wrong so if you're listening to this be reassured you know it's it's, they're just people they're people who've started a business too a lot of the time and if you can think about a way to serve them and to reach out and be friendly and genuinely want to build that relationship that's definitely the way to go about it now Donna I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the wedding business retreat as I mentioned in the intro you came on our retreat last year it was an absolute blast we loved having you there I'm so glad you came if you think back and this is going back a little bit in your head now to when you first booked it what was it that made you think yeah I'm going to come on the retreat this year I think just being being able to be in a room with other wedding businesses and to kind of be able to share experiences and kind of learn together because I you know you can kind of do courses and you can like have business coaching and that kind of stuff but so much of kind of the good stuff comes from getting together with other people and kind of you know hashing stuff out in a room so yeah I love I loved it and it you know also to realize how many other businesses even if they're not a venue who you know whatever you know their their thing is often we've got we're having the same issues and the same problems or we're you know we're we're doing the same things wrong or not doing things that we should be doing and yeah lots of light bulb moments it's a great opportunity isn't it to step outside of your own business and into that space where everyone's there for the same reason and to talk now you said earlier one thing you struggle with or have struggled with over the years is being able to talk to other venue owners and talk about their struggles. There were lots of other venue people at the retreat. Were you able to have some of those conversations there? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. And it was so good And because they're not like near, you know, they're not near you. They're from all over the country. So, you know, you could just genuinely be really supportive of each other and share like best practice and kind of, you know, how, do, you know, when this comes up, what do you do? Yeah. So it, it's, it's really great to be able to do that. Yeah, I think people underestimate as well when it comes to any in-person event, whether it's a retreat, a conference, often, yes, you get loads from the sessions. But as you said, so much of what happens at those events is in the tea breaks, in the coffee breaks, in the lunches over drinks, when you can have those conversations, when everyone's relaxed, when you can ask people questions that you've wanted to know for ages and just haven't been able to have the person to ask or the opportunity to ask. It definitely is what makes things really magic. When you think back, is there anything specific that you took away from last year's retreat that you've kind of bought into your business or changed or done differently or any light bulb moments that you can remember? Yeah, I think so. I think what the biggest thing that I got out of it was, you know, that in everything that you do in building your business, it's really just about consistency and not kind of 
getting too hung up on everything being perfect and you know just like with social media for example just consistently like putting out content and you know building your audience and yeah because that's not a strong point for me (laughs) and time like blocking out your time and making sure that you're kind of protecting like your your time to work on your most important things and actually to like narrow down what those are because you can't have 20 most important things you know (laughs) so yeah absolutely and when you came on the retreat one thing that people say to me is I'm a bit nervous about going because I don't really know if I'm going to know anyone or if I'm coming on my own did you know anyone before you came or was it an experience where you came alone no I came alone I knew Kelly and I felt like I knew you because I've listened to lots of your podcasts and like watched your Pinterest training and stuff so but no I didn't know anyone else at all so it was great actually to to kind of you know some of them I kind of recognized from like forums from like Kelly's uh, forum that you know the names but I didn't yeah but, it, but I felt like that was the good thing to not know anybody, to kind of just really throw yourself into it. Yeah. And actually, when you don't know anyone, it forces you to start talking to people quicker. Because often if you go with a business partner or a friend or someone in the industry, you can end up talking to them the whole time and actually don't get the full kind of experience of the networking. I hope that you didn't find that you felt lonely. I hope that you found that you made lots of connections very quickly. I did. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of the people we still sort of follow each other on, um, Instagram and kind of comment on each other's posts and stuff, which is really nice. Um, and also Becca, I've got three kids, so it was like a holiday for me. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's why I like to go, <laughs> go stay in a nice hotel, oh, yeah. let have someone else cook your food. Exactly. No packed lunches to make. It's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I joke because we do go there to do business, honestly, for anyone who's listening in my family. But it is it is a break and we don't get that time. Again, as self-employed people, we often don't get that time to switch off, to have fun. And that's one of the things me and Kelly really wanted to put into our retreat is, yes, it's about business. Yes, it's about connection. But we wanted to have those moments of fun and letting your hair down and laughing and doing all of the things that we watch other people doing at weddings day in, day out, week in, week out, but often just don't have the opportunity to do ourselves. So yeah, it definitely is a break as well. We've got our next retreat coming up in October. So if anyone's listening to this and they're on the fence about going, what would you say to them? just book it honestly you won't regret it you'll get so much out of it that you didn't expect and just the opportunity to be in the in a room with lots of other like-minded individuals that are all just trying to do their best in their business yeah it's definitely worth it Fab. yeah I can't wait I'm counting down the months already we're only in May but it is going to come round soon and I know I'm looking forward to those three nights away from my house once more and <laughs> just absorbing myself in all things weddings so Donna what is next for you what's next for the venue have you got big plans what are the next couple of years looking like in your world so we've been this year we've been focusing quite a lot on doing some re- refurbishments and kind of stepping everything up a bit making it a bit you know kind of you know making everything more fresh and kind of new yeah I don't know really in terms of growing the business we're getting to like a nice a nice kind of point with how many we're doing a year but one of the things that we have been kind of working on is kind of quality over quantity with our bookings and we've really seen that so like the 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 average booking that we take that we've been taking for say 2024 is higher than for 2023 so that's kind of been you know how can we kind of maximize each of the bookings and how can we you know make it the best experience possible 
for the couple whilst also, you know, us kind of as a business doing well out of it. And that's a lovely stage to be at as well, to be able to have the freedom to actually have a look at that and to think about it because I think when we get started and there'll be people listening in the starting zone where you're just trying to get as much business as you can bring in all the bookings you feel like you're just never going to get there and then all of a sudden you hit this point where you have where if you keep taking more and more and more bookings you would just become overworked and burnt out and that's the right time to do exactly what you're doing which is to take a pause and to think okay this is about the right amount how can we make those bookings that we have got even better so hopefully you will see that increase year on year over the next couple of years as well. Now, Donna, you are an avid listener to the podcast. So you will know that I always end my infuse with the same question, which is what's one thing you wish you'd known sooner in your wedding business journey? Yes, (laughs) I am prepared for this. (laughs) So the one thing I wish I'd known sooner was that it is okay not to know everything from the very moment that you start. I spent far too long beating myself up about the fact that I didn't know how to run a wedding venue. (laughs) But of course I didn't because I'd never run a wedding venue before. (laughs) And if we waited until things were perfect and we were ready, we wouldn't do anything. So I think you just have to start before you're ready and just leap in and just be kind to yourself about it and just be willing to learn a lot. And also, I've actually got another thing which is slightly different, to prioritise working on the business and not in it because I think I was maybe four years in before I even knew that was a thing because I was, we were so deep in kind of the day-to-day and we weren't tracking how it was growing we didn't really the business side of things was not a priority but it should be from day one hopefully it is now oh yeah it is now yeah I've got I've got a dashboard I can tell you all my numbers <laughs> Yeah, excellent. I love that. So if you're listening to this and you couldn't tell me all your numbers and you don't know where things are coming from, that's a little wake up call from you there from Donna to remember that you can't just work day to day. You do need to look at those bigger picture things as well. Donna, it's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Thank you for being here. If people want to find out more about you, about the venue, about working with you, where's the best place for them to find you? We have our website, which is granary-weddings.com. We're on Instagram as the Granary at Forsley. Also Facebook, the Granary at Forsley. We're just venturing into TikTok. So we have a few things on there it's not my my skill thankfully our wedding coordinators are like two decades younger than me so (laughs) they know (laughs) fabulous and you've got a 14 year old in your house who will soon be coming up to that point where they'll know more about technology than you oh yeah he's basically tech support (laughs) absolutely that's what kids are for surely I'm looking forward to a point where my kids get old enough to be able to do my social media in a really young call trendy way. I'm I'm sure it will happen over the next 10 years. I will make sure that I put all of those links to all of the things Donna mentioned in the show notes. So do reach out to her. Donna, thank you for being here. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Becca. I love that conversation with Donna. Isn't she great? What a wonderful business story to think that she walked out of a job into a wedding venue and here she is all these years later with a real success on her hands. If that's not inspiring today, I don't know what is. I'll see you next week.